Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith in the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content, not just the front line with Joe and Joe. And if you have the app, you can listen from anywhere, not just in New York City metropolitan area. Um, you could support the station by going on VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com. If you like the station and our programming, we are also an EWTN affiliate. And if you want to support us, you could go on Veritas Catholic and contribute there. And please follow Joe and I on our social media, primarily on YouTube. I, I think we just had a video taken down, Joe. So that's a that's yeah, a I good know. sign that we might be doing something <laughs> right. We had a video taken down, but nonetheless, you can find us at the Frontline TV on YouTube, the Frontline TV, and also our website, thefrontlinetv.com. And today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Dr. Stacy Tresankos, who is a PhD, and we are gonna be discussing her new book out from Tan Books called Behold, It Is I scripture tradition and science on the real presence um now some of you out there i've been actually following uh stacy for quite some time on facebook uh she's got some really good posts some really good insightful articles and the like i want to give a brief introduction for those of you out there who do not know stacy she is a nationally recognized author speaker and educator on the topic of theology and science uh dr Trisankos is the executive director of the saint philip institute of catechesis and evangelization founded by bishop joseph Strickland in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, and she is also a teaching fellow for Bishop Robert Barron's Word on Fire Institute. Dr. Trisankos is author of three books on faith and science and has written numerous articles for Catholic journals and magazines and has appeared across the nation on Catholic radio and television. Dr. Stacy Trisankos, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Hello, Joe and Joe. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You're welcome. So I'm going to kick it over to Joe real quick. We're going to say a prayer, Stacy. We always begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided, inspired by this confidence. We fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Joe, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I, uh, Stacey, I had a quick question. I mean, we're obviously going to be discussing your book. We're going to be talking about science and, and everything else. Joe and I, what we love to do on our show, aside from get people in trouble and ourselves in the, in the process, um, <laughs> we like to blow up common narratives. One of the things, one of the reasons Joe and I do this and we speak to educated people like yourself is because we don't like the lies that float out 
around there. So we like to answer them, okay? And one of the more frustrating ones, because I, I had been following the new atheists going back, you know, for, for going back 20 years when uh, everybody was calling them the four horsemen um, and all that, Hitchens and Dawkins and the rest of them. Right. But this idea, and I think that you're eminently qualified to discuss this, that's why I'm asking you, but for to start the show, um, the idea that the Catholic Church is anti-science just completely rubs me the wrong way. You posted numerous stuff on Facebook talking about Father Stanley Yaki's book uh, that uh, Science Was Born of Christianity. Just in a couple minutes to lay the foundation a little bit, can you please blow up this narrative that the Catholic Church is anti-science? Yes. The Catholic Church gave birth to modern science. And I mean, I, that's Father Yaki's premise that he spent his life um, pr proving with facts from the historical record. But it, it is our worldview that when we pray the creed that we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, of everything visible and invisible, when we look at the universe, the physical and the spiritual realm, everything, we are looking at God's handiwork. We're looking at what God created. And it was that understanding that trinitarian understanding that god the father god the son god the holy spirit is the creator and that there is creation in love and with rationality and order it was that worldview that caused scholars to start applying mathematics to the motion of natural objects and to start asking questions about where it all came from and so i loved chemistry you won't find anybody who loves chemistry more than I do, I think. Like, I, I completely am fascinated by what we've learned about atoms, about how they function, how the periodic table that has no missing spots, and, and how knowing how to use those Lego blocks, so to speak, we can make stuff like mobile phones and cars. And um, when, when taking that love of chemistry and then understanding the Catholic Church's contribution to the modern science that I was born into and love so much, it, it, it helped me understand something that was missing in my life, um, the, the reason and purpose for everything, that, that when we do science, we are studying the handiwork of God. Science is the study of the handiwork of God. And that, that really is Father Yaki's message. And Catholics always understood that. And that, well, thank you for that, Stacey. It, uh, to me, it's important. It just, just, we can't let, we can't let lies stand. And, you know, we, we have to speak the truth. And I just wanted, for all those out there who might hear something like that, again, it's always in the popular culture. The atheists are always with their fist in the air saying that we're a bunch of Neanderthals, right? Particularly yeah. Jamokes from New Jersey, like Joe and I, right? So I really appreciate you kind of like, you know, in a, in, in a, in a small way, letting our audience know that this is a lie and it needs to be challenged. So with that, yep. we want to, we want to jump into conversation on your book, Behold, It Is I, um, Scripture, Tradition, and Science on the Real Presence, available from Tan Book. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to, to my partner. Well, clearly, as Catholics, Stacy, I mean, Christ is truly present in the Eucharist. I mean, uh, if you ask me, that's the greatest gift that we have on the earth. I mean, clearly. However... Only 30% of the Catholic population understand that. And this is not my, you know, state my statement or my words. This is Pew. They took a, you know, a poll and they said that 70% of baptized Catholics do not believe in the true presence. Now, clearly, this is an issue, if you ask me. Um, and I know you work with uh, Father Robert Barron in Word, Word on Fire, and he took this up. 
I mean, rightfully so. And this is what he had to say. He said, this should be a wake-up call to us in the church. We need to pick up our game when it comes to communicating the most basic doctrines. Bingo! Bingo! I had I knew a good priest, Stacy, and he said this. When he became a priest, he was a doctor, and he became a priest in his 50s. He wanted to go to Africa, and an African priest told him, no, Father George, the missionary territory is here. It's not in Africa. It's here. We have to get back to first principles. First principles. Talk about what Father Barron has said and did, and talk about that Pew Research study. I think it's at the heart of our issue. Yeah, that is the reason why Father George Elliott and I wrote this book. I mean, we live in mission territory in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, in East Texas. The funny thing about it is we live in a land where there are Protestants everywhere where people speak freely about Jesus at the public schools and in the grocery store. They say, have a blessed day every time you buy something and, you, and you're checking out. But in this area, they don't understand the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Like I walk around here going, if y'all love Jesus so much, why don't you come to mass and be with him in person? Um, and, and so we live in, in that mission territory and we have to up our game in how we talk about it um, because it's a strange thing. You know, people are like, do y'all eat God? And we're like, you know, you, we have to learn to talk about those things in a way that, that people understand it's real. So Father Elliot, who wrote the part on scripture and tradition, and it's beautiful, he simply had all of that put together so that he could talk to those people um, in, the, in Texas about the real presence. And he wanted me to write the science part because like you said in the Pew Research, um, I, I, this is what troubles me in our in our age of scientism that we live in. I think a lot of Catholics don't realize how affected they are by the scientism itself. Like they need science to to shore up what they should be holding in faith. And so I got involved because I had looked at some of the Eucharistic miracles and. Um, I said to Father Elliot, if I'm going to write this book, I'm not just going to retell the stories that I look up in other books. I'm going to want to see the scientific data myself, and I'm going to make a judgment on it. And I found a lot of it wanting. I found a lot of what Catholics say to be um, over-exaggerated or to be exaggerated um, beyond what the scientific data suggests. And, and I'm not at all saying there, there aren't Eucharistic miracles. Absolutely, there can be Eucharistic miracles. I mean, either one of you Joes could, could like elevate out of your seat and start flying around the room right now if God willed it, right? Joseph like I can do another Joe did it, so why not Joe Resinello? <laughs> right. <laughs> if God wills it for the sake of our salvation, he can do anything, anything. So I absolutely do believe there are Eucharistic miracles. What I was disappointed with is the way that Catholics talk about them in the public sphere. I've heard very popular Catholic speakers say things about the science of the Eucharistic miracles that aren't true. And it, it you know, I, I wasn't um, religious as a chemist um, and then I'm a convert. And if I'd have heard stuff like that back then, I would have said, you must not have very strong faith. You must not really believe what you say you believe, or you wouldn't be exaggerating the science just to get me to jump on board. Like I would see right through it and it, and it would have, push me away. So I'm just trying to, to help tailor our message better to say, 
oh, here's the science on this Eucharistic miracle. This is what could have happened, but not to ever lead with the Eucharistic miracles because the thing people need help understanding is what it, what it means to say, I believe. Like that is a different kind of, that's not knowledge. It's faith and it, the substance Mystery. of things unseen. Mystery. And we have to help people get comfortable with that. I, I, I think what you're saying is just so important because like you said, scientism creeps into everything. Well, if I, if I can't, if I can't uh, show it, you know, see it under a microscope or see it through a telescope and then, well, I'm not supposed to believe it. Okay. But, but what about faith? Again, we're talking about Catholics here. We're talking about yes. Catholics who say, who, who, go to mass and they hear scripture read at mass. Okay. Um, you know, and Jesus talks about faith, 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 faith. In the meantime, you're supposed to have faith that this is actually the true presence of Jesus. You say, well, I want you to prove it to me scientifically. Eh, that kind of doesn't work. I'll give you one. Here's my proof. Okay. Jesus said, so Jesus said, this is my body. Okay. And he rose from the dead. Here's that basically, you know, take an historical event like the resurrection and they say, okay, I'm going to believe that guy. I have faith in that guy because he wrote when, as Resinello says on the show all the time, Dr. Chisanko joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, when you're raised from the dead, I'll then maybe I'll listen to you. All right? <laughs> in, the meantime, in the meantime, I'm going to listen to him and I'm going to, you know, put a final point on it. I'm going to have faith um, in him. I think what you said is yeah. just so spot on. Could you, could you share with us some of the miracles? Because I think, uh, you know, miracles, legit miracles. And can you kind of blow up some of the misconceptions of the miracles that you researched? Yes. Um, yes, I can. So I, I only covered three miracles in the book because we had a word limit. And um, if you read my section of the book, it's the third section. I go, I go through this with every um, every editor and publisher I write for. They they're always like, "Man, that's too much science. You gotta you gotta back off. You're gonna scare people away." And like, but you have to put some details in here. So if you read through this and you stick with it, the whole picture comes together where the exaggerations are. And and actually, what we come together on is that that all the science is inconclusive. I mean, how are you ever going to use science to prove that that heart tissue? actually became heart tissue in that moment um, when people were beholding the miracle. And how are you ever going to prove it's actually Jesus Christ physical heart tissue when you don't even have a DNA sample from him, him when he was alive on earth to compare it to? Because that's how it works. And, and we're never going to have that kind of certainty from science. So, so just if you just kind of get over it and stop expecting science to do something it can't do, you're kind of free then to look at these miracles. And so the three miracles I looked at were um, the Feast of Corpus Christi miracle. It was a miracle in Bolsena, um, Italy, back in the time of St. Thomas Aquinas. It's the miracle that people credit as, as leading to the Pope in that time, to per Pope Urban IV, to instituting the first universal feast day in the church, the Feast of Corpus Christi, because of the miracle. And if you look in the Catholic Encyclopedia under... Um, that town's name, Balsena, uh, you, you find, or Orvieto, rather, it's, an, it's another town that was nearby, Orvieto. There's an, a, there's an Italian ecclesiastical historian named um, Umberto Bernini who calls into question the, 
the truth of this miracle because he the, the historians have the writings and there were two biographers during Pope Urban IV's lifetime who wrote down everything he did. And before he died, the year he died, which is also the year the miracle is said to have occurred, um, he, he wrote uh, Transituros, which was a, a, an, a papal bull that was talking about the reverence for the Eucharist. He doesn't mention the Eucharistic miracle in that papal bull, and none of his biographers mentioned the Eucharistic miracle. And um, he apparently uh, commissioned St. Thomas Aquinas to write some of the liturgy for the Feast of Corpus Christi, and St. Thomas Aquinas doesn't mention the miracle. So historians have pointed out inconsistencies in the story and questioned whether the miracle even happened or not. The, the way it happened was this, this German priest was traveling from Prague to Rome, and Orvieto and Bolsena are on the way, their town's on the way to Rome, and he, he was traveling because he had doubts, and he stopped into a, a church, the uh, chapel of St. Christina, and he prayed the Holy Mass, and while he was alone there, the, the host and the chalice, the host started bleeding and it dripped onto the corporal and he gathered it up, went out to the townspeople, went on to Rome and the Pope is said to have come out with his emissaries and met him and was so moved by this miracle that he instituted the Feast of Corpus Christi, but then other historical accounts don't back that up. So it's an example of what's so frustrating about history all the time is we don't have the full story there. So maybe it happened, maybe it didn't, um, but we have to be careful about talking about it. And that's the other miracle. I'm sorry, I'm talking too long. Um, no, 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 please. And side note, I'm saying a prayer as I'm talking because my German shepherd named Benny, because I wanted my own German shepherd named after Pope Benedict the 16th, <laughs> is barking. Don't worry, in the garage. don't worry. I heard him too. If I you can you. hear her, it's I'm praying good. that she hushes. <laughs> it's all good. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. So, uh, Tell us what you're saying is important, actually. Yes. That's how I say she it. wants to be in here with me. Um, <laughs> She's not, so that's why she's barking. And I can go, I can go get her, but I can also just keep praying that she'll close her mouth. So good. the other miracles that we wrote about, I wrote about were um, the very popular uh, Lanciano miracle. And I, I critically combed through um, the, the, the report that was written um, and published in a scientific journal uh, about that that miracle from the, the 700 AD. And I also covered the Buenos Aires miracles that happened in the 1990s. There were four of them and the last one was researched and um, sent off to, to look at and under the microscope and some forensic analysis was done. And so I do look at that data very carefully. I'm, I'm somewhat critical of the final claims because I think they went too far. And I think, and you know, the science is interesting, but it's ultimately inconclusive. And we're, what we're left with after our best science, we're, le we're still left with faith. So. Absolutely. And Dr. Stacey Strasankos is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, way in the breach. Behold, it is I, scripture, tradition, and science on the real presence. That's Stacey's new book out by Tam Books. Let me... Um, ask you this, Stacey, you, I mean, basically what you're saying, um, I, I, I seem to remember uh, an old saying, uh, for those with faith, no evidence is necessary. For those without it, none will suffice. Okay. 
I, I'm so happy we're having this conversation because sometimes you want to just say, like I said earlier, kind of a little, I know I was trying to be in a little joking around a little bit, but not really. Why can't we just believe the need to, I, I'm talking about all miracles. And I, I believe like you do. I believe, I believe the Virgin Mary uh, appeared to Juan Diego and Mexico was converted. I absolutely believe that. I believe that Mary appeared to the three children in Fatima. I absolutely believe that. But here's the point. I don't need to to believe in Jesus, to believe in the church, all right? And to believe that, you know, you know, in everything, you know, like like Mother Mary said, do what he tells you, to live my life a certain way. Now, that's great that God does that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, uh, and, and let's face it, in drastic times, you know, drastic <laughs> measures, he, he sends the Blessed Mother, okay? But, but to, just underlying it all, talk about the need for us to just get back to mm-hmm. just fundamental faith, yeah. In, in you know as for, you know in and how we approach things yeah and and i think i'm very qualified to talk about this because i was so in love with science i mean scientism was my religion even though i didn't call it that um that i that i got a phd in chemistry and i and i came into the catholic church and i had to ask questions like what is that word faith i had to get real crit like what does that mean to have faith um, and I, and, and of course the church has answers for that. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote extensively in the beginning of the Summa about that. And I found the answer for it. And I was like, ah, oh, like I understood my own life better because of it. Faith is not a word we talk about. And it, it, faith is, is granting intellectual assent to the testimony of someone else. I mean, if, if I'm going to have faith in what someone tells me when they saw a car accident, I, by definition, didn't see it with my own eyes because that would be knowledge. Faith is accepting the testimony and who better, who more reasonable to accept the testimony of than God become man for the sake of our salvation. So like you said, if God said it, we got to be willing to say all done. I mean, it is a fiat. It is a yes. It is that moment when I, when I knew I was going to be Catholic the rest of my life was when I said, yeah, I, I believe it. And I mean, when you're a chemist and you're kneeling in the pew and you're at mass and you're looking at what the priest is doing and, you know, I'm like to my husband, like, are you, are you kidding me? Like you want me to look at that wafer of bread and that wine and you just want me right here while we're sitting here to go after the little bells ring and, and the consecration occurs, I'm just supposed to go, yep, that's a new substance. And I know if you put a microscope on it, a transmission electron microscope, nothing different happened with the atoms. In chemistry, for a new substance to happen, something has to rearrange in the atomic bonds. And you want me to just look at that and throw everything I think I know out the window and just say, there is the new substance, knowing that nothing changed in the atoms. And I'm just supposed to go, yep, there's Christ. And, you know, the priest looked at me and he's like, yeah, <laughs> that's what you have to do. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, okay. I, and it came down to that moment. Do I believe it or do I not believe it? And if I do believe it, I have to change. <laughs> I have to change the way I live. Um, Bingo, and I to, there's a statement. the church. <laughs> well, you see, I, I want to talk to that a little bit. Why don't people believe it? I can, I'm, because the, con- the construct of their life doesn't permit it. You're not, you know, like, I think sometimes we go about things wrong. Like I'll use an example, a woman who had an abortion, showing her a picture of an aborted baby isn't going to change her mind, because she's wounded. We have to get to her heart. 
and we have to, she put up a wall. That wall's not coming down by words or showing her a picture. Facts, reality has nothing to do with it. She's rationalizing. You just said it. We don't believe because the construct of our life has changed. And I'm not going to do that by anybody just mm -hmm. telling me. Now, let's talk about faith and let's talk about the Eucharist. Encountering the Lord begins with the words of John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is yeah. coming. When we go to confession, that's an encounter with God. Now, if mm -hmm. someone said to me, they're saying, no, that's psychological. No, no, it's not. If I eat a big meal, because I'm a crazy Italian man and we love to eat. <laughs> if I eat a big meal and after I'm done, if you said you're not full, I would say, no, you're wrong. I'm full. I feel full. When I go to confession, I feel differently. Not psychologically speaking. It's an encounter. I walk out of that box differently. See, that's tangible. That's the beginning. Mm -hmm. Go in front of the Eucharist, sit in front of adoration. You don't walk out of that church the same way. You get peace. Mm -hmm. You have mm -hmm. peace, period, end of story. I've always said that. People have to sit, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. First, you got to let go of all the bad stuff. Then you got to sit before the Lord in silence. Then you'll start to say, oh, wait a minute. That's not a wafer up there. I don't care what the chemistry is. I don't care what this person's telling me. I'm telling you that that's something because I don't feel this way when I'm outside looking at an Oreo cookie. That's a New exactly. Jersey. That's catech That's catechesis 101 from Joe from New Jersey. <laughs> what do you think yeah. about that? It's exactly the way it is. And I, I've said to, because I do a lot of talks on theology and science, but the people who come to my talks are parents because they want to know, what do I say to my teenage son who doesn't believe, who doesn't want to be Catholic anymore because of science? And I'm like, it, it's not because of science. That's just his crutch. It's because he doesn't want to submit to the teachings of the church because he can't do what he wants to do. And and, you know, I, I do a lot of work with parents and, and, you know, unfortunately there's no magic thing you can say. There's no, you've got to pray and you got to commit to walking through it with them. You got to love them no matter what and, and be there when they do ask questions and that, but that's what the whole world is struggling with. Um, submission, obedience, uh, repentance, um, and they don't realize how good it, it can be, uh, you know, I, I, I was, I was a feminist when I was living my Catholic, I mean, my pre-Catholic life. And I, I didn't call myself that either. I was just, you know, I got a PhD in chemistry. I got a good job. I don't need a man. I'm going to make my own way. I, I had two kids, um, two, two highly complex composite systems of atoms and molecules. I couldn't explain why I loved them so much. Um, you know, and I messed with my head on relationships because I didn't understand the spiritual aspect of it. And, you know, I can say if anybody who, if you're listening out there that, and you're afraid to submit or be obedient because I granted assent to the truths of the faith, because I believed, because I changed my life to match those beliefs. And I said, God, I'm all in, tell me what your will is. I, I'm going to do it. Um, because I did that over time, I didn't just come to understand why I love my children so much. I came to understand how to pray for them to get to heaven. I came to understand what marriage really means. I came to understand what purpose in my life is supposed to be. I mean, I have seven kids now and six grandchildren and, and my life is 
wonderfully blessed and also very full of suffering for my kids are teenage girls right now. So, um, you know, it, it, because I opened up to that, I didn't understand everything that was going to happen, everything that truth was going to demand of me. But I'm here to say that that if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't know the joy and love and peace that I have now and the hope for an eternal and eternity in heaven. Um, so it, it's huge that we help people be willing to lay it all down and open up to the truths of faith. Absolutely. Dr. Stacey Trisankos is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Behold, it is I, scripture, tradition, and science on the real presence. And uh, Stacey, real quick, before we take a break, that's available. We know it's available at Tan Books, right? Where else can our audience buy the book? Um, Tan Books, uh, the St. Philip Institute has it for sale. and I know you can get it on Amazon. Um, and uh, we, we've done quite a bit of interviews talking about the book. And um, I also have my website, stacytresankos.com, with some links to it there and a little more about, about the book. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just pick it up and, and read through it. You're going to end the book after the science part, kind of feeling exhausted. You're going to want to go right back to the beginning and say, wait, what did scripture and tradition say again? <laughs> and you'll go back. <laughs> all right. I hope you don't mind. We tell all, all of our audience members, when you can buy the book at all these wonderful places, don't buy it on Amazon, whatever you do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, no, it's okay that, you know, if somebody's got a list on Amazon and they want to throw in the book, we want them to buy your book. But if you have a choice, uh, let's support our Catholic publishers um, right. and bookstores and 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 all that. We, we think that's, that's very important. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. I will say, just as a final point, one thought I had was that's the problem with why people in America um, are, you know, who identify as Christians, they always balk at Catholicism for the reasons that you and Joe were talking about, because you do have to look in the mirror and say, I'm going to have to change these things. And it's just not easy. So we, we pray for ourselves and we pray for everybody else that we do experience that change. But we do have to take a break. Stacy. we're going to come right back on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. You're with the front line with Joe and Joe. Stick around. We have another great half hour with Dr. Stacy Tresenkos. Listen to all five of our original Veritas shows. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank, where Bishop Frank Caggiano talks about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. You can hear The Frontline with Joe and Joe every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talks to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, tune in for the only late-night talk show on Catholic media anywhere. It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. And at noon on Friday is Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Right after that, at 12.30, you can hear the Focus on Veritas, where we put the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app.
Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, and we are way in the breach with Dr. Stacy Chersankos, and we are discussing her new book, Behold, It Is I, Scripture, Tradition, and Science on the Real Presence. Uh, with that, I am going to hand it over to Joe Racinello. You know, on the other side of the break, you were talking about your children. You have four uh, teenage girls, um, you know, and, and you go through those situations. I mean, I have young children. Uh, uh, they're not teenagers, but I have five. Um, and you know, it's not just cause you say you're Catholic and you're following the way, you know, God still tries you <laughs> and I know the deal. Trust me. I know the deal. Um, I will say this though, with regard to convincing people, they always say the greatest distance is from the head to the heart. Um, there are many smart people out there in the world, um, that don't believe in God. And there are miracles clearly. There have been miracles, saints who became, you know, canonized people. There are miracles, legit. Um, there's always room, like, I don't believe. Again, the distance from the head to the heart. People believe what they see. People have to see God in you. Like people who didn't know you, like when you were in college, now they see you and they're like, you have seven kids. Like, I haven't seen you. The last time I saw you, Joe Rusnell, you were standing upside down on a keg. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and you have five kids. Yeah, yeah. I got five what kids. Happened? I got five kids. Yeah. So I mean, like, and then they see Christ emanating from you, you know, in your life. See, that's what we got to do. You see, that's where we got, we have to be transformed. Because the head to the heart stuff, I'm telling you, is not going to be done just by us. You're, I mean, you're a super smart lady. I mean, and you're going to tell people you could walk people through ways that I sure as heck can't. That's still not going to change their heart. Mm -hmm. But when they see you taking care of your kids, loving your husband, doing all those things, joy in the midst of sorrow, all that stuff, there you go. That's what I want to talk about, because I think that's where, we, you know, with the Eucharist, that's the, that's the game changer. Yeah. You know, and also, yeah. to be honest with you, and I could flip it to another degree, when we see Christ, those of, of us who are, it's a grace to see Christ in the Eucharist, then we'll see him in other people and we'll yeah. treat them differently. Mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit, Stacy, because yeah. I mean... We're not supposed to be like everybody else. Too many of us are. We're not supposed to be that way. Yeah, you're, you're never really in this world once you're Catholic. I mean, you're, you you learn to walk through your life. Um, and it, what you're saying is so, so true. I mean, when I was in my research lab at Penn State University doing my PhD work, there were a couple of Catholics in my group. And I, I didn't even really think about it much at the time, but when I was getting ready to convert, that's what gave me confidence. Because, um, you know, converting, I have to face up to my sins. I also had a great deal of insecurity that I wouldn't be a very good Catholic. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to be good at this. Um, and, but I thought to myself, I want what they have. And I remembered the Catholics in my life who had, had crossed my path. I remembered that group of Catholics that was in my research lab. They used to get together for meals. That doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you're a chemist and that's all you got, you really don't understand how souls are supposed to bond. I mean, they're not, they're not exchanging any electrons, so it just doesn't fit your vocabulary. And, 
and I would, they would get together and have meals and they would make it a sacred thing. Like they would, they would have great reverence for the fellowship and the food and take it seriously. And they just had this confidence about them and this, this joy in life. And I remember like 15 years later when I was converting, I'm like, I, I want that. I, I want that kind of peace and, and joy and meaning in my life. And so I, I had confidence because I saw Jesus in them. Um, and, and after I converted and started writing about science and faith, a couple of them even found me and emailed me and said, we were praying for you. How beautiful <laughs> and, is that? Because I needed it back then. Um, but they, they were. And see, I never would have guessed all of that would happen in my life. It's funny. We need to emphasize to people. I say to my wife all the time, we have conversations about the faith and everything. And I say, we have, we both have to, because both, both my wife and I in let's, let's call it earlier in our lives, we're not living exactly a Catholic life before we met each other. But I say to her all the time, I say, we have to remember somebody was praying for you. And it doesn't even have to be like a family member. Just somebody was somebody. praying for you. I say, somebody was praying for me. That's why we're in the Patreon. I will tell you this, though. One thing you mentioned, and it's something I want to impart to the audience. If you're thinking about coming into the Catholic Church, because um, you, you, you guys were talking about change and everything else, don't wait till you change your life to come back into the church. That's what I did. That's why I waited so long. Oh, I can't go back to the Catholic church because then I got to check. No, no. Get back into church, go to confession. All right. Start receiving Jesus in the Eucharist. Let Jesus change you. Um, yes. You know, if, because if you wait to change more than likely, you're never, you're never going to get there. You got to let Christ do it. Um, let's, uh, Let's touch a, a little bit, because obviously we're talking about the true presence. We're talking about faith. Stacey, we, we promise not going to get you in any trouble here, but we do have to talk <laughs> about this. Why is it that many, many times we, we hear our evangelical brothers and sisters, you know, at certain certain points of the Bible, they take it word for word, you know, literal creation in seven days and, um, and don't question it. But when Jesus said, amen, amen, I say <laughs> to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life life in you. What's the disconnect? I'm going to hand it over to you. I, I don't know, because I, I have asked people, if you're going to be a biblical literalist, why are you picking Genesis? Why are you not being literal about what, what you just said? When, when, when Jesus said, this is my body, why aren't you taking that literally? Like, like if you're going to take Genesis literally, then in Genesis 3, when it says Adam and Eve's eyes were opened after they committed original sin, you're literally going to think that the only consequence of original sin is the movement of four eyelids. You know, that's taking it literally. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's obvious, there's obvious, there's metaphor and poetry in the reality of the story in Genesis. Genesis. Um, I, I don't know why they do. I, I just get back to, again, people, we live in a scientific age and there is so much coming at us I mean, when I was growing up, we didn't have the internet, but even just going to Walmart, there's so many decisions to make about what you're going to buy and how you're going to decorate your house and what, how you're going to go to school. And now we have everything with the internet coming out. Is there so much competing for our attention? I don't mean to be critical of people when I say people don't know how to think critically anymore. I mean, you can get a PhD in chemistry. And you can know all about atoms and molecules, and you can still not understand what words like faith mean just because you don't ever have to. Um, it's been one of the most intellectually challenging things I've ever done to become Catholic. And it's so, 
it's so rewarding to realize the treasure, like they call it, that's in the Catholic church with, you know, you got answers. Catholic church has, you got questions. The Catholic church has answers. It's been Mm -hmm. thrilling to learn all of that and, and to learn not just academically what it means, but I'm like, Oh, the Holy Trinity, that has something to do with, with marriage. And that has something to do with relationships and, and, and maybe I'm going about relationships all wrong. Maybe I'm being a control freak because I'm trying to control everybody like they're atoms and molecules. And I know how to control atoms and molecules. And, and maybe that maybe I'm missing something spiritual in those bonds. And I that was life-changing for me, try, trying to understand how the Holy Trinity is, is three persons, one God. And maybe in marriage, when two become one, maybe, maybe that means like I can't just like have this fun with my husband. Maybe I have to like open myself up and throw it all down on the floor and, and be completely vulnerable with my husband. And, um, and that's not easy to do when you have your walls up. So it, you know, there, I could just go on and on forever. I mean, someday I got to write that book, but, um, Mm -hmm. there's so much you gain when you start living a life of faith and it, whatever fears you have about doing it, like you said, just jump in and do it and don't waste another day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dr. Stacey Sankos joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Please go out and buy her new book, Behold, It Is I, Scripture, Tradition, and Science on the Real Presence. Joe Resinello. Well, we talked about, you know, our Protestant brothers and sisters not taking the part about eating the flesh of Christ literal, um, because, again, they have constructs. They put up those walls. I mean, they have to tear down their whole life. We do a lot of interviews with the folks from the St. Paul Center out of Steubenville. A lot mm-hmm. of them are converts. Um, if your whole life is built upon a certain belief, you're not too quick to just tear it down. Um, I mean, in this book, Father Elliot discusses like the early church fathers, and we've interviewed a number of people who've written on this, uh, Mike Aquilina being one of them, um, who's at the St. Paul Center. If you trace the faith back intellectually, forget about like faith, intellectually, it mirrors the Catholic Church. I mean, it mirrors it. Read the books. We all know how to read. But again, that doesn't change the hearts because I'm not going to just change my mind because like all my friends are Protestant. All my I'm a pastor. I'm going to give up my livelihood. I'm going to give up my my wife's Protestant. She don't like Catholics. All my neighbors are Protestants or everybody. You're just going to. That's why I respect a lot of people who like change like that because they throw it all away. (laughs) They really do. I mean, it's not so easy. But to be honest with you, if you talk about science, if you talk about intellectual honesty, just read the books, read, trace it back. You're going to see that it mirrors the Catholic Church and then ask yourself, what am I doing? You're not you're not mirroring it. And that's a good aspect of this book. I think the aspect that father brings into it, because to be honest with you, I think it goes hand in hand with the sacramental aspect of the Eucharist that you talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have my students at Seton Hall. I, I have a class talk about unexpected things. I have a class called Classics of Catholic Interiority interiority like one student's like did you say inferiority no interiority (laughs) like structuring your mental process inside and we read some of the church fathers and they they read um saint augustine and those i know you know what i'm going to say because it's obvious but 
those college kids relate to St. Augustine so much. They, they read what he wrote about his conversion and his confessions, and they see it in their own lives. Um, and it, it is helpful to them, even if it is just intellectually, when you, sh when you shore up your mind intellectually, when that moment comes for your heart to make that change, your, your mind at least is going, we got you, we got you. You, you can take the leap of faith. It's going to be okay. You'll figure it out. Um, all these other people figured it out in the, the history of the church. Um, that, that's part of the treasure that we have those saints to, to read about, those church fathers to read. I'm always blown away that, that they wrote that without a laptop, you know, they just wrote it <laughs> and um, really, it's they didn't still there today. 1800 years ago. Come on, Stacy. Of course they did. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. <laughs> Faith. <laughs> Faith. Um, and, and then I, we do think, and it's like Joe said, there's, there's so many times. I think that I think the key though, is you do have to actively be searching for the truth. You do. Um, and, you know, Joe alluded to people who throw everything away. Obviously, I mean, you look at the the martyrs of the church, you look at the early church. I mean, these people threw everything away. Um, I look at a, a modern example of a convert gentleman. I don't know if you're familiar with him, uh, Keith Nestor. Um, he was a Methodist pastor. Same, he, almost to the T, what Joe just described. The guy, like all his friends, his wife, everybody, he goes, I'm going to become Catholic. Why? Because he was actively <laughs> seeking the truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I think sometimes that might be one of the problems is like, you know, that, that unwillingness to throw, um, you know, to just throw it all away and say, I, I believe this and I don't really mm -hmm. care. I'm going to pursue this. Um, can, let's talk about, you, you mentioned, you know, the sacraments. Um, confession, Eucharist, Eucharistic adoration. How could, how could people, how do we say it practically without coming across as, as judgmental to tell people you need to avail yourselves of confession and then the one, two punch confession, Eucharist talk about the pressing need, Stacy, for that, particularly with Catholics in America, because as Joe started out the show, 30% of American Catholics mm -hmm. believe in the real presence. How could we really emphasize? What would you, how, what would you say to people out there to emphasize the need for confession and Eucharist, that one, two punch of the faith? I, I yeah, people get frustrated with what I say to that sometimes because you could, I mean, I hope people do read the book and go through the exhausting scientific details of these miracles, but it's not like you're saying, it's not enough to convince somebody to have the confidence to make that change. And, um, I forget who said it, but, uh, something that kind of woke me up and made me think people don't remember what you say. Like if you're a teacher, they don't always remember everything you're teaching them. They remember how you made them feel. And it, that's like a touchy-feely thing I'm not very good at, but I thought, yeah, that is true. And so there, there's something called friendship that we, we have to be friends with the people. I know there's all kinds of catchy words in the ministry world, like meet them where they are, accompaniment. Um, but it, but it's been hard for me to understand you, you do have, you can't just throw information at people and you can't plead with them. And I've taught RCIA and I've seen people when you hand them the examination of conscience and they have to look through it, that's when they're done. They walk out and, and it's real hard not to fall into despair and go chase them and, and duct tape them and say, get back in here. You're going to convert. <laughs> and, you know, but you have to. 
you have to help them face those fears. And, and it, it is so scary. And I, I'm in, I'm in my fifties now. And I, uh, just looking back, I'm only starting now to understand like, a, like Aristotle said, you don't have wisdom till you're in your fifties. I think I know what that means. I'm only starting to be able to look back and see how God was working things out and, and why it's so important for us as Catholics we're talking about the Pew Center research. We're talking about how to help people with conversion. We have to just keep pushing through it. We have to walk through it. If you've got kids who have turned away, you've got to keep walking through it with them. If, if you teach your kids to search for the truth, teenagers are good at this. They're, they're, going, to, they're going to question everything you ever taught them. They're going to search for, on their own for truth. And they're going to make some bad decisions, but you got to help. You got to keep guiding them through it. You got, I just say, you got to get your boots dirty and walk through it. Mm. You just got to be willing to walk through it. I just real quick. I, the reason I said boots dirty is because, um, another God thing. I just met a friend here in Texas. After I moved back to Texas, my childhood home, we grew up together in the same little country Baptist church in Paris, Texas. And she heard me on the, the journey home get talking about my, my conversion. And she recognized my voice after 40 years of us not seeing each other. And she contacted me and her name is Stacy too, Stacy Farquharson. So we, we spell our first name the same way. Nobody can pronounce our last names. And we just got together and started a podcast, the two of us. So like Joe and Joe, we're gonna, we're Stacy and Stacy. Love it. Just to talk <laughs> about some of these things, because we both threw everything away in our life and became converts. And we, she has six kids. And we, we have a lot to talk about. And she just says, you got to get your boots a little dirty. <laughs> so. I love it. I love it. I, I, I will say this, Stacey Trish Hankles, and I'm going to hand it over to Joe because we don't have a lot of time left. Um, on the one hand, uh, you know, you, you were talking, we, the two of you alluded to the idea that we have to show our Catholic faith. We have to live our Catholic mm -hmm. faith so that people could say, well, I could see the fruit of, of how these people are living their lives. And on the other hand, I think we have to show people like Joe Racinello says on the show all the time, if you think it's going well for you, look out the window. Okay. <laughs> so we could point out the bad fruit, but I think the one thing Thing I wanted to say, or this is my only comment that I'm going to hand it over to Joe is sometimes people need to be the prodigal son. They, they need to, they need to live the bad fruit and see it firsthand. We hope and pray that they're not lost in the process. You know, the prodigal son did return to, you know, even while he was feeding the pigs, you know, at least he got to that point and he got back to his father, but sometimes people just have to lose their way in order to find their way. I mean, you know, again, you can show them the good fruit, you could point out the bad fruit. Sometimes you say, well, I'm going to go and do it anyway. And unfortunately, they do that. And hopefully they are like the prodigal son. They return home. But that was my little comment on that. I want to hand it over to Joe because we want to talk a little bit more about your book. We have about 10 minutes. I just want to talk about adoration, Stacy, because I do mm -hmm. think adoration is a game changer. Because you know what it is? It's not a lecture. You know, you could yeah. tell someone, go to <laughs> confession. All right. That's the answer. I'm not going to confession because I'm not changing. I like I like the crap that I'm doing and I'm not going to change. But what I would say is this. This is my million dollar bet for all the people who hear me. You go to adoration and you sit there and you look at the Lord and you say this. I don't believe in you, but I want to help me and sit there yep. 15 minutes and leave and come back the next week. I don't believe in you, but I want to help me. And he will. He'll change your heart. Adoration, as Father Justin Seminante, a good Italian Carmelite from New York said, is radiation. It changes you.
And I think that is what the church needs to do. The church, uh, Joe is uh, in a very good diocese of Phoenix, uh, Bishop Olmstead. What did he do when the Satanists came to Phoenix? He had all the churches have adoration. You see, Christ changes. Joe Resnell is not going to change the world. But mm -hmm. if I allow Christ to radiate through me, we can change the world because that's what saints do. But that's what adoration, and I'm not one, but I'm trying. Adoration does it. And talk about what the saints, I want to talk about what the saints say about adoration. This is what John Paul II said, and we can chat about it. He said this, we must understand that in order to do, we must learn first learn to be. That is to say, to sit in the sweet company of Jesus in adoration. It changes you. And then when you're changed, you go out into the world. Adoration is the beginning of it. What do you think about that? They talk a lot in science about empirical evidence. Um, you know, I've, I've talked with a cosmologist who won the John Templeton Prize, the million dollars, and, and he said, I understand how you see that the universe is the creation of God, but I'm never going to believe unless empirical evidence proves it. And, and I said, empirical evidence is not data. Empirical evidence means what you experience. It's your experience. And if you're, I never would have learned chemistry if I hadn't been open to reading textbooks and accepting on faith what my predecessors discovered. And it's the same, it's the same with the life of faith. You, you have to be willing to walk into the laboratory and do the experiment in your own life before you're ever, it's going to make sense. You have to start with faith, but then it starts to make sense. So you've got to take that literal leap of faith in your heart to do it. And, and you, like you said, just talk to, talk to God. If you say, I don't believe, but I want to, there, there's a little, that little bit of faith, the, the gift from that is that you get more faith and, and you can't, you can't explain it to people unless they're willing to try it. Um, well, and you got to help them do it. I'll speak from my own person. I always believed in God. I didn't always live like I believed in God, but I always mm -hmm. believed in him. And what changed me is seeing people transformed, like the missionaries of charity, the CFRs. I would see their mm -hmm. eyes. And I used to be like, whoa, dude, something's going on in there, man. And I don't have it, but something is going on in there. And that comes from prayer. And that's as real as the day is long. Like when you encounter people like that, I'm going to be honest with you. You could be the hardest person on earth. You could be the coldest person on earth. You could believe in whatever. You could believe in trees and whatever else, crystals. And I don't even know what else you want to believe in. When you meet a person like that, you're just like, whoa, I never met anyone like you. And this is what you do. Talk about science. Science follows a method, right? Well, the saints follow a method. We pray our rosary. We go to confession. We go to adoration. And then there's an output. The output is holiness. And it's tangible. You see, it is. people haven't met. I never met as a Catholic really, really holy people. Because when you do, you're just like, whoa, where, what are you drinking? Like, like, like what, where do you come from? I never met you. See, that's what's going to change America and we got to get holy. But we, here's the thing. The saints lay it out. We just follow. I always say, Stacey, I taught RCIA too. 
They kicked him out, Stacey, They by did, the way. actually. They threw they, him they, out. They, Shocking. They out. Um, anyway, that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, paint by numbers. Just do what the, the Saints point us. Like I read John Paul, pray, do those things, and, and continue just like an athlete. It'll change you. Yeah, the saints talk about holy inebriation, that there, there is an inebriation, like when it talks about in Psalm 23, that is that is that grace that you, I mean, they are clear. It's not like you're drunk inebriation, but it's you're, you're holy inebriated. You have that change in you that you, you, you're elevated. Um, it, it's, it's hard. Like, I'm going to tell you something. People that think, that don't people that think science can change their mind or people that think they, they've got to have enough evidence to be able to believe in God, something as simple as the second, the second. We measure, people don't stop and think about this, but it blows your mind. We measure the second, if you have an atomic watch or an atomic clock, the second that we measure our whole day, our whole time by, is measured by the cesium-133 atom in the hyperfine splitting of the ground state of those electrons, so the electrons that aren't excited. In the ground state of those electrons, they jiggle, and they jiggle in this hyperfine splitting 1 billion, 9 billion, 9 billion, 192 million, 631,770 times a second. And that little radiation that microwave radiation that comes out of the atom because of those jiggles over 9 billion times a second, we measure that so precisely. That is how we count our seconds. That's the definition of a second. Mm. And how can you not think about that and not believe there's a God? How can, how can you hear that and say, God must be you know, knowing everything about it? He, he's holding this whole world in existence. I, d I don't know how... People can't do that. And well, Stacey Chersankos, you know, how come you're not listening to Richard Dawkins? He says, people talk about order, but they don't, they think they see order, okay? That this according to him. They think they see order, but there's not really order. And I would, by the way, that was, that was a really fun fact that you just provided to our audience. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. But that's what I would tell him. Don't tell me. It's, it's almost like the old saying, don't believe your lying eyes. Mm -hmm. You see order in everything, okay? Everything. And yet people allow themselves to be uh, talk about deluded. And I use that word mm -hmm. specifically with Richard Dawkins into believing that, oh, no, 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 no. It's it's you think you're seeing order. It's actually not. It's just the appearance of order. That's the type of nonsense that, that that's why we're happy that you came on the show. That's the type of nonsense that, that we need to, you know, we need to, to to break through a little bit. You mentioned scientism earlier. In other words, you know, don't the idea, the, the idea of the logos order, rationality mm -hmm. and, and all of it um, is you try to tell the people, you know, you, you, you recognize it. Okay, but then it comes from somewhere. It has a source, and that source is God. Uh, we have about two minutes. I, I want to ask you this. This is a quote from uh, from John. Um, if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has not, who he has seen cannot love God. So we think that, that this passage relates to seeing the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. In about a minute or so, Stacey, what would you impart to our audience about, you know, the, uh, rather than like you said in the book and being like you were critical of some of the science with the Eucharistic miracles, what would you impart is the most important takeaway um, as far as the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist? 
I have learned in my life that sitting in front of the Eucharist, like an adoration, to get my head around, this is this is amazing. When, when you're in front of the Eucharist, whether it's mass or adoration, you are you're kneeling in front of the Lord of the universe. You are kneeling in front of the creator of those cesium-133 atoms that jiggle over 9 billion times. You're kneeling in front of the creator who holds it all in existence and who knows you personally and loves you. And that will bring you to your knees. I mean, it'll keep you there on your knees. And I... I have a big family. I have a wonderful, strong marriage, but we've worked for it. And anytime in my relationships, the thing I've struggled with, I can't figure out what to do to heal a relationship. I can't figure out how to not be a control freak, but still be loving and be open and be vulnerable and be trusting and also protect myself from getting hurt, all that crazy stuff. I go kneel in front of the Lord of the universe and I say, Grant me the grace to see this other person the way you, the creator of this other person, see this person. Grant me the grace just to know, grant me enough light to take the next step. Just let me do the next right thing. Um, give me the courage, the clarity, the prudence, the justice. Give me all the virtues I need, the grace to, to practice those virtues that I need. I just take it before the Eucharist and it does change you. I have been mad at people and I pray about it like that. And I have some supernatural empathy that I don't even really understand. I just know it's holy. I suddenly understand that other person, why the other person's doing what he or she is doing. And then I understand what that person needs from me. And, and then I'm, I've been able to heal relationships in my life. I mean, I've had kids wander off and get mad. They've come back. You know, they, they come back to mom, they, they know I'm here and I love them. And, and my husband and I've worked through a lot of stuff and with my parents with just it, that, that is the biggest thing to me. I go to adoration with my relationship problems <laughs> Stacey, and figure real out quick, how to love people. <laughs> we're we're going to have to leave it there. Where can people uh, follow you on social media and where again, can people find your book? Behold, it is I scripture, tradition and science on the real presence. So tan books for the book, um, go to my website, stacytresankos.com. Just spell it anything close and you'll find it. And I also hang out on Facebook. I can't do Twitter very well. I'm trying to be cool and do Instagram, but I mostly do Facebook. Um, so find me there. Um, and, and our new project, Stacy and Stacy, um, is, has a website, stacyandstacy.site, S-I-T-E. So you can find us there too. It's a hoot. Um, All right, and in the future, we're going to have to have Stacy and Stacy yeah. come on the front line with Joe and Joe. We're going to have to have a real <laughs> culture war conversation. I'm sure it's going to be a barn burner. Stacy Strasankos, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us here at the front line with Joe thank and you. Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. So we will talk to you soon, but remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll see you next time.